Hey everyone, welcome to Real Faith in Real World Conversations, based on a sermon series by Pastor Tim Gibb, lead pastor of Bethel Church in Sarnia, Ontario. In this podcast, you're going to hear a conversation every week as we discuss the message and how we are living out our faith in our world. It's meant to be helpful and encouraging, and more than anything, a way to get you thinking deeper about your own faith. So let's jump into this week's Real Faith Conversation. Hi everyone, we are so glad that you're listening along today as we discuss this week's message on how real faith shows no partiality. Now there were a lot of scriptures that were shared in the sermon that emphasized that we should not show partiality, but let me just give one as we start this conversation. It says in James 2.9, if you show partiality, you commit sin. Uh, Pretty point blank. So let's talk about it. I'm joined again today with Pastor Kirby, Pastor Dale, and Stephanie. So I just want to know from all of you, um, can you give some examples in times in your life and your experiences where you've seen partiality or favoritism or bias or prejudice or racism in some way? Uh, I come come from Montreal. I grew up in place called Montreal North, and there's a lot of diversity, a lot of multiculturalism, and there was a history, there's a history of, you know, prejudice of, and, and racism and whatnot, and I remember in high school, not high school, not in high school, we had uh, the West Wing and the East Wing, and the, uh, and it was crazy because I was always coming from the same wing without realizing there was another wing, and the other wing, all the white people were there, the skaters, the, uh, Call it the punk, no, the, you know, the style, right? And in my style was all the uh, the black people were there, all the color, kind of the ethnicity were there. And I realized that I didn't took it like you know further than that in, in, in the past, but uh, further in my growth, even after leaving high school, even this is where I realized, wow, okay, there was there was like biases there, like the, like the whites go there, and all the kind of style of people go there, and the other ethnicities, the multicultural go, go, goes there, so. In my life, when I think back about this, like that was a great sign. And mm-hmm. I remember the high school didn't do anything about it. It was mm-hmm. just the culture, I guess. Right. I can think of a time where I experienced um, bias uh, because of my gender. Uh, when I was a young teacher, I was um, teaching out in the county schools here in this area. And um, I recall uh, I th- just a serious lack of respect because I was a girl and not a guy, mm-hmm. and uh, I was young, and I had students really like run me ragged <laughs> because because of my age. And the reason I say gender is because I recall making a call to a parent one time about a comment that a student had made to me. And that parrot's response was, well, I mean, you're just in there once a week, and you're just like a young girl. So it was like a very blatant, convert, a very blatant um, comment to me, like, well, it doesn't really mean a lot because of who you are. And I just remember thinking, like, wow, I don't think I've ever experienced something so blatantly, like, I don't know, just biased against me, uh, who I was. There was just not a respect at all for the fact that I was a teacher. Um, And uh, yeah, that's something I experienced. I think for me, I grew up in a a German community, grew up in Kitchener, Ontario. So it was a very German community, had a lot of German family. So I just remember as a kid hearing certain comments 
from my family members, older generation. They would just make, and it was more of a joke, I guess, to them or whatever, but I just remember hearing these things. Going to Bible college, I went to the U.S. and attended there. So when you mix a whole bunch of different Americans from all over the, uh, uh, America, there are comments there, and there are certain, certain things that I would observe as well there. But I'm just thankful for parents that uh, did teach me that God loves everyone. And so even though I was observing certain things and, and hearing certain things that were contrary to what God was, was saying in his word, it, uh, it, I always just came back to what does God say and how should I respond to these people? How do I respond to the people that are making the comments too? What can I say? How do I speak up to those that might be voiceless and speaking up for them? So yeah, I, I observed some things as a kid and as a teen and I'm observing things still as an adult. Yeah. I mean, it's everywhere, right? We're going to see it. There's multiple examples in all of our lives where we're going to see it. Um, but Pastor Tim talks about it, and of course we know that this is not God's character. So even thinking through your own experiences and what you've seen um, in your life or in other people's lives, how does that prejudice compare to the character of God that we know from our experience with God and from God's word? Yeah, I think, I think if I build on what I've shared, God's character doesn't divide people by skin color, mm. you know, or ethnicity. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's not a place in his kingdom for the white race, and there's not a place in his kingdom for the black race, and so on and so forth. So we can see God's character. It's, there's no Jew nor Greek. We're all one in Jesus. So when we're going to be in heaven, and even today, I mean, we'll pray about his kingdom coming here when we mm. pray. Well, it's a reflection of how he's going to uh, build us up for heaven that we're all going to sing the same song, the same heavenly language. We, there's going to be no white, black, men, women, whatever. Even families, we're all going to be one, you know, under the glory of God. So, yeah, that God's character shines through not favoritism, especially in my life when I experience a separation. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love when you read through the Gospels um, and how you see how Jesus, in his relationship with people, broke every cultural um, expectation on how certain people should be treated, right? Like the culture of that day where that children were like looked down upon and yet you see Jesus embrace children. The culture of that day was that women were less and yet Jesus embraced women, brought them into his inner circle. The culture of that day said like tax collectors are horrible people and yet Jesus chose them to be part of the 12 disciples. Like the character of God is so different than prejudice that we see in our world today because Jesus literally sought out people that culture would um, outcast and he showed the example by bringing them close and speaking to their importance in the kingdom of God through his relationship with them. Like everything that we see that aligns with prejudice and favoritism and bias and racism is so far from who God is. And Pastor Tim brought that story up about who is our neighbor. And he talked about that Good Samaritan. So two cultures that were two, they were supposed to clash with each other. But the one culture says, I'm going to help you. I'm going to pick you up and, and take you and get you help. And so that's obviously Jesus brings that, that story into the Gospels for a very reason for us even today. That we need to, even though we're clashing against cultures, we need to, to look at these people through the eyes of Jesus and say, you are loved. You need to be cared for. And I will be that, that love extended to you by Jesus.
Yeah, absolutely. So in the message, Pastor Tim gave us four reasons why God hates prejudice. So I just want to review them quickly and then let's discuss them. So he said that God hates prejudice because every life is precious and made in the image of God, because prejudice is a sign of ignorance, because prejudice uh, disobeys the great commandment, and because prejudice is a serious sin. So I want to know which one of those four stands out to you. And as we're talking about real faith in a real world, knowing these four things, how does that affect your faith, your real faith in our real world? Uh, So I think personally, the one that stands out to me is um, that every life is precious and made in the image of God. Um, And how does that work its way out in my life? I guess the thought that's kind of circling around in my brain is that we are all prone to pride. Like we're all prone to think of ourselves, as the scripture says, more highly than we ought. And when we take the, um, the approach that every life is precious, it creates a humility in us. At least I think it should. At least that was my that's my prayer as I'm listening to this message today, that God would humble me on the inside, the, the true stuff on the inside, to really see people through his eyes. They are made in his image and not to be prideful about who I think I am. Or, And I think pride is so sneaky, it gets in there and um, it just can manifest itself in so many ways. But in our thought lives, we really can easily elevate ourselves above others. Um, even unconsciously, but when we keep this in view that every person we come in contact with is made in the image of God, it, at least for me, helps me to maintain my place, uh, who I am before the Lord in in humility. Um, It helps me to combat the temptation not to think of myself more highly than I should. The one that stands out for me is that prejudice is a sign of ignorance. You know, God hates prejudice because it's a sign of ignorance. And, you know, the pastor Tim gave a great example today of his own ex- life experience. You know, when he was invited to a conference, I could imagine it was an all-black conference, and they didn't know he was the color of his skin, so they invited him, maybe by name or reputation. And after that, they found out that he was white, and he got canceled out because of the color of his skin. And, and in the world that we're living today, you can only imagine a white guy being being experience racism, yes, it exists. And so in, 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 in our faith, how does that relate and affect me? And for me, uh, having this real faith in the real world, uh, when someone is going to a place of prejudice because he does not know, he's ignorant, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's an opportunity for me uh, to, to kind of share my faith and say, hey, this is what faith is. You know, so even though you commit sin out of your ignorance, it opens up, it opens up the door for your faith to keep growing and, and to understand, you know, like we just experienced, like we just explained, uh, God's character. But at the same time, it's a place for me as well to say, you know what, let, let me show you, you know, faith in the midst of your ignorance. Let me help you get out of this sin, mm-hmm. you know, because there's ignorance in what you just said or do whatever. Yeah. The greatest commandment to love Jesus, to love the Lord your God but then also to love others, to love your neighbor. And it doesn't say to love your stranger that's across the world, but it says your neighbor, which is really personal, is somebody next door to you as well as the person around the world is the person next door. 
And so we need to love others. How do we do that? How do we demonstrate that love to them? And even though they don't look like me or act like me or, or whatever it might be, uh, I was driving by the church yesterday, and, and uh, there was a, a person walking by. And right away, you can label that person. You know exactly what that person is. And we know that the city has put uh, these people in the hotels out here. And so we were walking by, and a thought came into my mind. But right away, the next thought was, Lord Jesus, help me to love them. They don't uh, live the way I live. They don't act the way I act. They don't look the way I look. But help me to love them because they're not any less than I am. They are God's creation. And so I just remember yesterday that those two thoughts going through my head, that first thought that came in, and then the second thought where I rebuked myself and just say, I need to love others the way that Jesus loves them. And so always reminding ourselves we need to love others. Yeah. Such good points about it. The one thought I had when Pastor Tim was talking about how prejudice is a sign of ignorance, um, just that ignorance, the opposite of it is wisdom. And so uh, you can take the negative approach to it, like, yeah, I don't want to be ignorant, but then the other side of it is I want to be a person who walks in wisdom. And I started even thinking while he was talking about different relationships that I've made, friendships that I've built with people who are so different from me people who initially I probably would have passed over or thought they don't look like me, they don't talk like me, they don't believe the same things that I believe. Um, but for whatever reason, whatever circumstance, a friendship developed there. And now I see the wisdom that um, came. I'm not trying to sound boastful right now, like, oh, I'm so wise. But I just mean like, uh, like ignorance would have passed that person over. Ignorance would have ignored them. Ignorance would have said that could never become a friendship. But for whatever reason, I embraced that person, and that friendship became such a blessing to my life. And I can see now the wisdom in bringing people into my circle who are different than I am. Mm -hmm. um, because there's strength in relationship when you're friends with people that aren't exactly like you. And so I really appreciated that point that he brought out. Mm -hmm. Okay, the final aspect that Pastor Tim talked about in his message was how we can overcome the sin of partiality in our lives. And, and he shared that we can do that in three ways. First of all, we can examine ourselves. Uh, second of all, we can ask God to help us see people through his eyes, which has come up a couple times in our conversation. And then finally, by seeing our primary identity as a child of God. So I just want to know, first of all, how do we model this in our lives? And then how do we model this in our church? Our context here is Bethel Sarnia. I'm assuming most of the people listening to this podcast are part of our church. So how do we not just model this in our lives, but how do we model it as Bethel Church Sarnia? The February is always a month where, for, you know, for me as a black person, it's a month where with, with a lot of influence there because people are kind of are looking for all the black people to say something, mm -hmm. right? And uh, last year, I preached on February for the Black History Month. And that Sunday, and it was, and I said the same thing that Pastor Tim said today. You know, be, before I am black, before I am Canadian, before mm -hmm. I, am, I am anything else, I'm a child of God. Mm -hmm. You know, and for us to model this is to very get strong in that identity that we are first of all child of God. Mm -hmm. And I think, from my opinion, perspective that if we understand that and we get that strong, we will examine ourselves the right way. We will be able to see people through God's eyes because mm -hmm. we see ourselves as God's people, not only as black people or white people or whatever. 
And so when we identify, when we get our identity strong, then the rest comes, you know, yeah. right after. This morning in Kids Ministries, we were talking about uh, God creating Adam and Eve, how God created humans, and that all humans are created in his image. So I'm just thankful for the opportunity to be at Bethel Sarnia, to be able to uh, be a pastor that can teach the children from a very early age that uh, they are made in the image of God. They are children of God. doesn't matter what colors or race or whatever we come from that we are all. So I'm just thankful for that opportunity that from an early age, they can be taught they are children of God. You asked the question how we can model this in our lives, and I was thinking how do we model something as individuals that is actually personal? Like how do I model that I examine myself? And I was thinking of um, a way that Caleb and I do this in our home sometimes. We have, uh, not every night, but we do devotions after dinner often. And I've really learned the importance of um, being transparent with my kids. Um, of course, in an age-appropriate way. Uh, but lots of times in our devotions, there'll be like a reflection question like, you know, have you ever struggled with lying? Or have you ever struggled with anger? Or share a time when? And so for me, um, those conversations are important because it's a time for me to say to my kids and my family, like, yeah, I have had that struggle before. And I mentioned earlier about this temptation that we have, this inclination to pride and to thinking of ourselves better than we should. Um, so I'm thinking one way that, you know, I could model this um, sort of posture of humility is, you know, sitting around with my family after dinner one night or talking about this, that that we are innately born into sin and we have tendencies that we need the Spirit of God to help us with. And that, yeah, these are times where we're, where, you know, where mom has struggled. Um, but that when I call out to God and when I confess that to him, that he forgives me and then he helps me live as I ought. And I think that that's just one practical way we can model in our homes. I would say that sometimes it's uncomfortable. <laughs> it's not always the easiest thing to admit to the people around us, like where we struggle and where we fall short. But I actually think it's a really important part of discipleship and growing as a community. So that's how I would model it. Um, I guess in my life personally. In our church, I think we have these small groups as a great opportunity. I know our group has had lots of chances to say like, oh yeah, I've been through this, but God's really helped me to, to deal with it in this particular way. And, and I think when we model authenticity in our relationships in our church, that can speak volumes. And we have these groups now, which help us do that easily. Yeah. I think one of the things that I really appreciate about our church, which was mentioned in the message, is that we are a church of diversity, uh, not just in like skin color, but also in like age demographics and uh, whatever other demographics you want to get into. I just think when you look across the congregation of Bethel, pre-COVID when we are full in here, it, um, we don't fall into any one category. And I love that about our church. I think that one of the ways that we can model it, though, and I say this to myself as much as I say it to people listening, is that um, we need to be people who go out of our way to intentionally seek out other people. Mm -hmm. I think, and this is just like 
this isn't a criticism against anyone who goes to Bethel, I think it's just like people in general, is that we tend to stick with who we know and with what we know. Mm -hmm. And even in church, we fall into that trap where we're like, we sit in a certain section and so we talk to the few people that are around us and we don't necessarily look for people in our congregation. And oftentimes, I know in my life, I've often felt like, well, that's their responsibility to come and talk to me. It's not my responsibility to go to talk to them. But it's all of our responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Like, we are a family. Um, people who come to church, they are our neighbor. We should, as the Samaritan cross the road to take care of someone, we should cross the aisle to introduce ourselves and to build relationships. And um, you never know what your introduction or what your question, how are you doing, how is your week, how that could help someone, impact someone, or begin a new friendship with someone. So I just think like as our church body, how do we model this? Um, I think by really examining ourselves, not by pointing a finger, mm -hmm. and even in our church context, even in our town, um, asking Jesus to help us see people through his eyes and, um, and reaching across to embrace people. All right, any final thoughts, you guys, on words of encouragement to our congregation? It's a, it's a, this subject, it's a place of growth. Yeah. You know, we're always going to grow mm -hmm. uh, to a place where uh, we have to change. We have to be less ignorant. We have to grow into a knowledge. You know, you can't have faith in God, uh, but still doesn't know about a few things around our lives. And called, there's so many different cultures out there. There's some, there's some places I fall short, you know, in my conversations. There's things that I've said that was not appropriate. It's going to happen. But at the end of the day, it's your identity, your love, your compassion, your, your understanding, your openness to that person culture that intertwine many times with their faith. Yeah. That will bring, bring enlightenment and bring understanding to, okay, this is something that maybe I should work on. Or get to know that person even better, go deeper. And to... to more than just the surface. I would just add that I think um, that a lot can go, uh, a lot can happen when we serve one another. So Trisha, you're talking about, you know, crossing the aisle or whatever. And when we, when we, um, we talked last week about how love is an action and we put it on and we make a choice. Um, when we serve one another in love, I think that that's a language that crosses a lot of barriers. Um, and I was also thinking about in church ministry when you serve with other people, mm -hmm. like I even think about in the worship ministry, how many people I've gotten to know and to serve with and in years, over years in the choir, and I've met so many people and I never would have connected with them outside of serving alongside of them. And it's been uh, so, um, so thankful for those opportunities. They provide really um, it's like rich soil to, um, to really embrace one another and live as the community uh, that Christ intended us to be. So the idea of serving was kind of spinning around in my mind. Yeah, I love that. Well, this was such a powerful message today. I also just thought it's a message that we very easily could like point our finger and think, well, I hope that person gets it or I hope the world learns this lesson. But I really love that at the end of the message, Pastor Tim brought it back to us because 
um, we need to examine our own heart. Like we all have partiality inside of us and we need the humility to be able to address it so that the Holy Spirit can work on those areas of our lives. So uh, just as we close today, I want to just lead you in the ways that Pastor Tim taught us to overcome our own partiality. So the first is just for you, for myself right now, to examine ourselves and ask, is there any partiality? Is there any prejudice in us? And if so, ask Jesus to root it out. Secondly, do you see people through God's eyes? And I think that we all at times fail at this. Do you see people as God's children, as someone who is loved by God? And if you don't, perhaps today would be the day to ask God to change your perspective of people. And then finally, um, as Pastor Kirby just talked about it a minute ago, how do you see your identity? So someone asked you today, how do you define yourself? What would be the immediate words that would come to mind? And if child of God, follower of Jesus, is not among your immediate answers, can I just encourage you, go to God's word and allow God's word to redefine your identity. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us today for this conversation. Hey, if you are enjoying these, why don't you share them with a friend so that you can grow in your faith together. That's it for us this week. We'll see you back here next week as we continue this series. Let's all go and live this week with a real faith in a real world.